Bing bong. I am back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. And I've got a very, very special guest. I've got Ben at BTC Sessions. He's got some outstanding tutorials on everything that comes around Bitcoin, whether it's putting your Bitcoin in cold storage, what kind of wallets to use, nodes, all that kind of stuff. So be sure to check out his YouTube as his YouTube is probably the best in Bitcoin. We go over his journey a little bit about how he got there, kind of his tutorials, what his motivation was behind starting it. And then we dive into everything surrounding self-sovereignty. First, when it comes to money, then when it comes to your own personal life. So a lot of great talking points from somebody that's been in the space for quite some time and is uh, truly one of the great minds and persons in the space. So be sure to follow Ben and give him as much love as possible as he is one of the greatest for spreading all kinds of stuff and just overall just a very generous dude uh, that I'm glad to, to, to be able to call a friend. So um, and with that, you know, if you've made it this far listening to my little intro rant, please, please, please subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Please help grow the show. Uh, the show has been growing rapidly lately, so I deeply appreciate everybody listening and tuning in. So subscribe wherever you get podcasts and subscribe to my YouTube. I'm trying to get better and put up some more clips and do other things like that. Um, so the YouTube is growing, but please, please, please help help it grow a little bit more. Give us a thumbs up, comment, and uh, overall just subscribe to everything. So I really appreciate the support. And lastly, ladies and gentlemen, please do not forget this is not financial advice. Everything you hear in this podcast is strictly for a, uh, a strictly for entertainment purposes only. And it's the opinion of both Ben and myself and should not, not, not be taken as financial advice. Now, this is all mouthful. So now let's get into the show. Whoosh. Bing bong. I am live with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. And I'd like to thank everybody listening on Podcasting 2.0 at Streaming Me Sats. I got a lot streamed on the last episode, but no boost with any uh, any messages. So feel free to leave a boost and write me something. But I'd like to thank at Stay Humble and a bunch of uh, users and at Man Madman nineteen ninety one for streaming me some sats while listening to that last State of Bitcoin episode with Vince Beagle, NFL linebacker, talking a little bit about you know what uh, the perception of Bitcoin is in the NFL after a bunch of uh, you know pro athletes fumoed in and then uh, our seemingly getting uh, dunked on by the, the mainstream media. But I'd also like to thank my sponsor, Coddle.co, that's C-O-D-L dot C-O, for, you know, providing, uh, you know, this show, making it all possible. Use promo code GREENCANDLE to get 10% off your punch plates. Get your Bitcoin off exchanges, store your seed phrases on a punch plate, and get them from Coddle.co. They've been battle-tested They've been tested up and down, and hey, I'm I'm helping you guys out, giving a little discount. Use promo code GREENCANDLE at checkout. Get one for friends and family. Valentine's Day is coming up, so give them for your loved ones. That's a, What a better uh, Valentine's Day gift than uh, helping somebody you know, get your Bitcoin off exchanges. But now, ladies and gents, I've got a very, very special guest. You know him from Why Are We Bullish? You know him from all, all over the place. You got Ben, BTC Sessions. How you doing today? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting week. Uh, I'm glad to come and chat. Tons to talk about. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. But, you know, we got to start off right off the bat. You know, 
you gotta tell me about the blonde streak in the hair. What was the what was the reasoning behind it? You know, I mean, it's great branding. Don't get me wrong, and, and I, I like the style. And you're seemingly known for it by now. But what do you say to the people that uh that say it's dyed? I, I well, I mean, it's it's all natural. No, it's it's not at all. Uh, it was it was done on a whim because I always do stupid things with my hair, and then um, you know, my wife begrudgingly became used to it, and now it's become just such a recognizable thing. Cause I, I pretty much started doing it about a year into doing the show, which would have been, I started the show in 2016. Um, and so now everybody kind of sees that and they're like, Oh, that's how I recognize you. So I kind of, I think I'm just doomed to keep it forever. Um, it's fine though. <laughs> it's yeah, stuck now you got, you got to keep the blonde streak, man. It's what you're known for. But Hey, like you said, it helps people recognize everything. And, uh, yeah, but why don't you tell me a little bit about the behind the motivation of BTC sessions? Um, you know, just personally, you've helped me a lot. Just you know, looking at various different products, whether it's running a node, you know, uh, taking my Bitcoin off exchanges, putting it in cold storage. You have some of the best tutorial videos, I think, in the Bitcoin space. So, you know, what was like the true motivation to kind of get that started? Um, honestly, it was it was because I spent my first two years in Bitcoin. Um, just incredibly frustrated because I couldn't find any material to help me through learning. Um, you know, 2014, there wasn't a lot. And uh, whenever I asked for an explanation on something, it would be, oh, go to this forum and find a comment on this post. It's like halfway down, you'll find it and somebody explains how to do it. And that's, that's not how I learn. I'm a pretty visual learner. I want to see somebody demo it for me so I can follow along. So I didn't really get that uh, the first couple of years in Bitcoin. Um, and, you know, so it was a lot of trial and error and just pulling my hair out. And and so I, uh, uh, I, I decided after a couple of years, once I f became familiar enough and comfortable enough that I just start making it myself because nobody was yet. Um, so, yeah, I, I just started covering something once a week. And, uh, and it kind of progressed and, you know, it was kind of a slow, gradual build. Um, but yeah, here I am almost seven years later and about seven and a half million views in, which is crazy for like a niche, how to use Bitcoin in a self-sovereign way kind of channel. Um, so yeah, that, that's pretty much it. I, I did teach previously, um, not Bitcoin, but I was in schools doing, uh, uh, like hip hop dance workshops. So I taught little kids how to, how to dance for like a decade. So that's kind of like the education portion of it. And really like once you, once you can explain things to people, as long as you understand the thing you're explaining, it's more or less the same skill set, I would say. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think like once you have to explain something to somebody, it really tests, I guess, your knowledge on the subject. So do you feel that that's kind of helped you like not only, you know, having to make these or not having but choosing to make these videos and kind of going through it? Do you think that's kind of helped you along your Bitcoin journey? Just kind of, you know, figuring out the intricacies and, you know, the ins and outs of, you know, what it means to even be self-sovereign and, uh, you know, Bitcoin in general? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, a lot of these tutorial videos, the only reason I know how to do them is because I wanted to make a tutorial video on that topic. So somebody will say, oh, can you can you cover this? I have no idea how to do it. And in my head, I'm like, neither do I. I guess I'm going to go find out. And so, you know, you tinker, you play around. Um, I'm now kind of in a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 
getting to a point where it's, I, I have a flow of things that I go through. And so I'll, you know, I'll have a topic and I'll be able to kind of peek at it a little bit, but when it's time to actually get in and do that tutorial, I give myself kind of from Monday to Wednesday to get through everything. In some instances, it's not done by then, but it gives me then kind of a day to learn, uh, like a full eight hour day to kind of learn as much as possible, a day to tinker and like do it hands on myself and do everything and write out kind of a plan of what the video will look like. And then a day to record, edit, post, do the thought, like all of that stuff. So I've got a decent flow to it and I've got enough prerequisite knowledge at this point where it's typically just adding in a few new elements of things that I didn't know prior. So it's not as much of a hurdle. Uh, whereas if I tried to do that flow, you know, a few years back, it would have been much more difficult, but I'm more confident now. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, after you kind of get, go through things like a few times, it kind of helps you out, you know, just getting comfortable behind the camera, behind the mic and doing all that kind of stuff. So, you know, kudos to you for going through all that. And, uh, you know, obviously you, you've helped a lot of people, especially, you know, you're just, just telling from the numbers, right? Seven and a half million views, like a, in a niche uh, area as Bitcoin. It's crazy. You know, it, it's great. Yeah. And, you know, just keep doing you. And I, I can't stress this enough. If you haven't checked out BTC sessions, and you have any, any questions about anything, you've got great tutorial videos, but you talked a little bit about at the beginning self-sovereignty. So I kind of want to jump into that because, you know, these past two, three years have been, have been very crazy, especially for, you know, somebody in Canada, right? So, I mean, you were kind of in the forefront in the, uh, the Canadian truckers convoy. And, uh, you know, that was a big issue within itself, but, um, you know, it kind of left you in a sticky situation. So, you know, from, I guess, you know, somebody who is deep into that situation, you know, what did the importance of explaining to somebody of self-sovereignty, like taking control of your money, taking control mm -hmm. of all those kind of things, you know, did, did you kind of notice maybe a mindset shift with people at that time where it was like, Hey, you know, my money is quote unquote safe within a bank account and Bitcoin, like I could lose a seed phrase or something like that. Whereas like, you know, maybe this instance kind of woke some people up and realized like, Hey, like even if it's my money's in my bank account, it's not really mine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it absolutely did. I think there's still a ways to come. It's not like it was an instant orange pill for everybody um, in, in and around that situation, but um, it, it definitely planted seeds and those people are going to go forward and realize how important this is. I mean, the, the, the big takeaway here was a lot of people realize, like you said, the money in your bank account is, is not really yours. And we saw that with, you know, people donated to uh, GoFundMe and GoFundMe itself froze the funds. Um, then, uh, people went to give, send, go, who said, we're not going to censor the funds. We're, we're a better place to go. They donated there and they didn't. But then the second they sent it to a Canadian bank account, TD froze it. And so there was no fiat ramp digitally to get money to people that you wanted to donate to. It was all censored. Um, the only not, you know, the only other options were going physically there and handing cash to people on the street or handing food and petrol and, you know, whatever, uh, diesel and stuff like that, giving it that way. But if you, if you were from afar, there was no option until people started realizing that Bitcoin 
might solve this or or Bitcoiners realized um, Bitcoin fixes this. And so in the course of two weeks, uh, what we thought was going to be a few thousand bucks in light of all the other censorship, we ended up raising like uh, I think it was between one and one point three million dollars in a couple of weeks. Um, And that was not in custodial wallets, right? It was not with exchanges or, you know, the equivalent of a Bitcoin bank. It was self-sovereign held wallets um, where, you know, individuals actually controlled the private keys to that money. And, uh, and we also utilized multi-sig. And so, you know, that was helpful. Um, however, they're obviously given that the initial expectation was, oh, it's going to be small there were major missteps in the early stages. Like, you know, there's multiple things that could have been done on the privacy front. Um, even just like how the keys were handled um, could have been better because, you know, nobody realized how adversarial it was going to be and how quickly it was going to devolve into, you know, a vanilla flavor of martial law, because that's effectively what we got where they were shutting down bank accounts of people that were donating or that were there. Um, and so people got a real taste of, holy crap, um, a, you know, a G7 nation started freezing individuals' bank accounts for supporting a protest that was nonviolent. Um, it was unprecedented and, uh, and, and sad to see. I think, again, a lot of people woke up, but also they're funny enough, people on the opposite side of the aisle, they looked at it and they said, good, shut down their bank accounts. I disagree with them. And they had, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people had this inability to zoom out and say, this precedent, this president is now set and it applies to everybody equally. So that means if an opposing government is in power and I'm at a different type of protest, they could use the same rules to shut down my bank account. A lot of people had that presence of mind to, to make that connection. Um, I, I feel they will eventually. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's becoming more and more evident as we're kind of even going through, you know, Twitter and uh, Elon's posting the Twitter files and other things like that. We're realizing kind of how much, you know, control all these not not only governments, but public companies kind of have over, you know, the message, what's the narrative, what's being put out there and everything like that. But, you know, after just doing a a quick Google search here while while you were discussing all that, I, I found out that that. It says like about 70% of the Bitcoin that was sent over to, you know, the Canadian truckers convoy wasn't actually seized. Whereas like everything else was, um, yeah. you know, all the shit coins, all the dollars that, you know, like you said, the GoFundMes, everything else. So, you know, do you think like uh, that aspect of it too, just kind of brought to light, like, Hey, this non KYC aspect to things, there might be something here to, to a lot of, not only like truckers or, or Canadians in general, but, I think that kind of, you know, maybe woke some people up to say like, hey, I need to figure out a way to get, um, you know, some more non-KYC Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think um, there's a variety of privacy measures that can be implemented. And and had they been implemented out the gate, I'm, I'm pretty confident that would have been 100% of Bitcoin got directly into the hands of those truckers. Right now, we've got a situation where, yeah, around 30% is sitting in some legal escrow out waiting 
um, basically, and it's kind of frozen there until the outcome of a lawsuit filed on behalf of a couple individuals in a business in Ottawa against the protest organizers. And so, you know, that was an, an unfortunate symptom of, again, having key holders e easily identifiable, having uh, funds more easily tracked because of the method in which they were collected. Um, and all of those things can be remedied. There are tools that would prevent that same level of, of tracking uh, that, that could easily be implemented. And, and, you know, now there's a blueprint, right? Now there's a blueprint of, okay, if, if you're in an adversarial environment and you're trying to raise money for a cause, um, you know, do A, B, and C, and you'll be much better off. And odds are 100% of the money raised will get to its intended recipients. Yeah, you know, and I, and I agree with, with you there. I think that, you know, if the, some of those measures were taken, probably that that number would be higher, maybe even uh, all the way up to 100%, just like you're saying. So, I mean, I think the power of that just just can't be stressed enough, right? And I think, you know, having it off of some of these, you know, quote unquote, like Bitcoin banks and other things like that, you know, it should be stressed. It was it was stressed a little bit before then with, you know, the Mount Gox situation. But now I think, you know, even more people are waking up to it because we've got, you know, Bitcoin, quote unquote, banks with, you know, uh, Celsius, BlockFi, uh, you know, Voyager, some of these other ones, uh, just all FTX, of course, all shutting off, um, you know, exchanges or uh, withdrawals. And uh, they're essentially not allowing the, the business to go. So that money that you had in there with these private companies now are gone as well and so you know from that perspective too do you think like do you think that there's still going to be room for maybe some of these exchanges like going forward or do you think you know it's going to be more uh, i guess of a cautionary tale going forward as as you know a lot of these crypto banks for like less of a better term have been just kind of shut off yeah i i mean i think this is a great example of how quickly Bitcoin is able to weed out lies, right? And because Bitcoin on on its face, there's you, you can't fake um, or you can't maintain a lie in terms of you know rehypothecated or selling Bitcoin that doesn't exist. You can't maintain that for long before things start to implode because people can demand uh, you know immediate redemption of their Bitcoin. And when that doesn't happen, you can't print more. There's no bailout. There's no such thing as like creating, you know, Bitcoin debt and people actually accepting that as, as a, as a payout. And so you see these instances of, well, FTX basically selling Bitcoin that did not exist, right? Like you, you send dollars to FTX and you hit buy and it shows that you have one Bitcoin. They, they did not acquire anything in that process. They just wrote a number in a ledger and said you owned it. Um, and so it was all BS. Uh, you know, Bitcoin unwinds those things more quickly. And so I'm not confident that we'll get to a place where, you know, most people custody themselves, which is unfortunate. I want that. Um, but I do think we'll get to a place where custodians... Um, they're, you know, when people do use them, their feet are held to the fire a bit more. They, uh, they will realize that you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. 
Um, and I think many more people will move to self-custody. And I think many more people will move to maybe hybrid kind of um, like assisted multi-sig setups where you have an institution that has one key and you have two or three or four keys, whatever it may be, so that the institution can't control your funds, but they can be a backup signer to help you unlock your money if you lose a bunch of pieces of the stuff that you're supposed to keep, you know, keep track of. So I think we're going to see a shift towards a lot of that. Um, I think we'll also see, you know, proliferation of, of services that don't even really hold Bitcoin for you. They just allow you to purchase Bitcoin and then withdraw immediately. So we have the equivalent of this in Canada where uh, there's some, actually it's, that was my shirt, uh, bull Bitcoin, where basically you send dollars, they'll hold dollars for you in a bank account. But at the time where you say, I now want to use those dollars to buy Bitcoin, it never, they never hold the Bitcoin whatsoever. They say, okay, if you want to buy Bitcoin, put in your Bitcoin address now. So they are never a Bitcoin custodian. They just facilitate the exchange and then immediately send those Bitcoin to your own privately held wallet. Um, so I think you'll see more of that. I'm hoping that you'll see more of that. And then peer-to-peer -peer exchange um, will grow. Things like HODL HODL, um, which is basically a plat it's just a website that connects individuals to trade peer-to-peer -peer without having to pro provide um, ID, without having to provide, you know, you know, every bit of personal information in your firstborn child. Uh, you can just link up with an individual and say, hey, you know, I want to buy a couple hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin via this payment rail. And, you know, it'll sit in an escrow and then um, it'll be resolved. And HODL HODL is just kind of there as like an arbiter of making sure that things go correctly. So, yeah, it's uh, there, there's a lot of tools. Uh, there's a lot of things that will change in the coming years. I don't think custodians go away, but I think they change a lot. And I think self-custody does become a lot more pronounced. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I agree with that. I think there's always going to be, unfortunately, a place for some some exchanges or some like ease, quote unquote, easier on ramps as people have just been kind of used to giving away their information, you know, just just normally. So I think, you know, as not as I guess, uh, OG, maybe Bitcoiners have like, you know, the non KYC, never give away your information. I think some people are just a little bit more OK with doing that unfortunately but you know you mentioned change that that is probably going to come in the next couple of years and part of that change i think is going to be due to regulation because of what we've seen from a lot of the exchanges right so we've seen you know a lot of these like like i mentioned earlier bitcoin banks essentially or crypto banks kind of go under um and and require some some sort are there the regulators are going to see that and say like hey you know we've kind of let this industry run rampant for a certain period of time well now you know you need uh big brother to come in and like protect you right essentially come in and regulate some of these things so you know i i want to put you on the spot here a little bit and ask for for your, some of your predictions like how do you kind of see this playing out um and uh you, you know do you see this kind of playing out like, I guess, better for crypto or better for, for Bitcoin kind of in the end? Um, I'm going to be super surprised if the majority of all of those other, you know, tokens aren't deemed securities by the SEC. Um, I don't, you know, they're obviously going to take their sweet time with it, as we've seen. Um, 
And, and it's not even that I'm a fan of the regulation itself. I just think it's the reality, right? That when they hold up a magnifying glass to all of these other things, there's an investment of money in a common, you know, in a, a, a group or a, an individual. And based on the, the work of those individuals, there's a, an expectation of profit, right? Um, so, it, you know, all of these things, they have somebody you can point to. Uh, they have somebody that has issued the token and that, you know, that is benefiting from it in some way, shape or form. There's, there's all of these things that are necessary to say, oh, well, that that looks a lot like a security. Um, so I think that's going to happen um, in those instances. I, I, I do wonder if a lot of the BS out there just gets like a, a slap on the wrist. And then it's forward facing where it's like, well, you can't launch anything else now. Um, in the end, I, I think people should be able to, you know, buy whatever they want and then learn from their mistakes. I think that's how you become more prudent with your money and you learn how to properly assess risk because we've been babysat for so long. Nobody can really do that anymore. Um, yeah, I, I think there is probably a crackdown on on all the altcoins, uh, or at least the creation of more. I think the uh, the entities that offer up all these things will be, you know, basically fall under securities law. Um, and then I think you also see a proliferation of more Bitcoin only services uh, because it's the only one that cannot be you know, won't fall under those rails. Like if, if you can regulate it in that sense, if you can, if there's somebody to point to, um, then you aren't decentralized and censorship resistant. And Bitcoin is that, right? It is those qualities that, that, you know, kind of were set out from the get-go censorship resistant, borderless, um, you know, all of those kind of decentralized talking points, it still has those and it's worked hard to maintain those. Um, so yeah, I, th I think we see a world where there's Bitcoin and then there's all these other things. Um, and and those ones, given that they can, they then have to live within the rules. Given that Bitcoin is agnostic and will continue doing whatever it wants, who knows? Again, regulation could make it a pain, pain in the butt for Bitcoiners for the you know, short to midterm future. But in the long run, Bitcoin, the network, it does it's not aware of rules and regulations that will continue to function as it always has, regardless of the arguments we have outside of it. Yeah, and I mean, I agree with you there 100% as well. You know, I think, you know, the unconfiscatable aspect of it and, and just the list that you went through as well is going to prove that, you know, Bitcoin, it should be Bitcoin and everything else. Right. Um, but it's unfortunate right now. I think that that's kind of getting lumped together in all this old crypto, I guess, ecosystem for, mm. you know, it kind of makes you a little sick saying that not going to lie, yeah. but I mean, you know, it, it seems like, so, you know, where do you think, I guess it, it goes from there then do you think it's just, you know, maybe just Bitcoiners kind of getting in front of this and going to maybe some, uh, some of these regulators and kind of trying to help describe the differences, or do you think it's, you know, eventually going to just going to have to come on to the regulators and for them to kind of educate themselves? You know, I, there are already Bitcoiners going that route. Um, and then there's other Bitcoiners that are just saying it's irrelevant. It's just going to, 
it'll Bitcoin will continue to exist regardless of, of what we argue. Um, I think that the ones that are going to the regulators and speaking with them and talking about this thing and, and to the politicians and so on and so forth, you know, I, I think that's a useful thing still. Um, and I think it's useful, not because I think it will save Bitcoin from being shut down by the government, but because it's a time buying mechanism. Uh, if you can get regulators and politicians to view this thing favorably, even for a while, um, it allows the network to grow to the point where it's abundantly clear that it cannot be controlled. But in the interim, it, it, it can't be controlled, but they can make it a massive pain in the ass to deal with Bitcoin, right? Like they, there could, I don't think it would happen, but there could be like an outright ban on self-custody. There could be, um, you know, all of these different things where it's like, if you want to deal with Bitcoin, you have to, you know, you have to have a hosted wallet, which is the stupidest term I've ever heard. Um, but they're, they're basically saying like, you can't own Bitcoin, but we can own Bitcoin for you um, is, is what the argument would be. The, the viability of that type of legislation is is ridiculous on its face though like i've done tutorials i just i just did another one this week but i did a tutorial a few weeks back on how you can create a a censorship resistant bitcoin wallet with dice and math and words like you don't even need a you know you can you can roll dice and do some math with pen and paper and create a seed phrase um how do you, what are you going to go ban dice and, and like addition? <laughs> like it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, and then I did another one. I don't have it in front of me, but there's um, so when you create a Bitcoin wallet uh, as a backup, it spits out 12 or 24 words. Um, there's a, a thing called entropia and it's basically a big bottle of pills. And on the pills, one side has one word and the other side has another word. And you effectively, you take these pills and you just kind of like sprinkle them out. And then you've got a random, you know, you've got a random seed phrase that you can use for, for a wallet. Um, and every possible word is in there. Uh, you know, what are you going to do? Ban those words from being put together in order. It, it's, it's ridiculous on its face. So yeah, I, I think that, um, I, I think that people that are going that road of talking to politicians, they're just doing us a favor of of buying time until Bitcoin is undeniable is is my take. Yeah. And you mentioned a little bit earlier about like, you know, taking self-sovereignty and how you don't think maybe that we'll, we're going to get to a point where everybody can kind of do that. You know, you talked about, you know, maybe some of the ways that the politicians might try to you know, make it difficult saying that, you know, self-custody is quote unquote illegal or that you can't do things like that. But obviously, you know, there, there is a there doesn't seem like a logical way or a way that they could even do that. So, you know, why do you think that that uh, that'll be kind of, I guess, a difficult route for, for most people to go? Do you think that, um, you know, maybe it's that they're that, that a product that has, hasn't been developed quite yet that make it makes it easy for the average individual? Or is there, you know, something that you think uh, maybe a fear factor that that makes it so, you know, uh, an individual might not be willing to you know, take self-custody. I, I think self-custody is getting so much easier, right? Um, 
and and really on his face it's not it's not that difficult in the first place just especially just to begin learning right the 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 steps to begin learning taking custody for the first time just as a test are to download a wallet on your phone and then write down 12 words right and 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 that's that's more or less it and so you know obviously there's there's the transactional aspect there's there's a couple steps in there that you need to learn but i, I always argue that learning how to use your own bitcoin wallet is not more complicated than legacy finance and legacy banking um it's just that it's unfamiliar at one point in time you had to go into a bank you had to give them all of your information provide your id you had to be able to like or like take a picture of your ID and send that in and fill out all of these forms with all of your personal information. And then you had to learn how to log in online to your, you know, mobile banking app and how to send money between people and do ACH transfers or, you know, SEPA transfers or whatever it is in your country, in your region. Um, there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot of steps and we all know how antiquated a lot of that stuff is. Bitcoin is not more difficult than that. It's just different. And so if you take, you know, I'd, I would say if you take less time than you spent the first time you ever walked into a bank and got yourself set up with a bank account, you will be able to use Bitcoin. Like if you can, if, if you're a type of person that is capable of downloading and utilizing applications on your phone, you can use Bitcoin and you can self-custody. So I think that, uh, again, it is getting easier and you're getting also these, these hybrid solutions where you have like a just-in-case um, if something bad happens and you're irresponsible and you lose a bunch of stuff, then you kind of have like a, a, a key of last resort to access your money. And I think it gets easier from here. Right now, you know, if you get into some of these intricate like life savings plans, it can it can be a little intimidating. I get that for sure. Uh, but like the beginning steps of basic self-custody are not people can do it. Um, and I think it's time for a return to personal responsibility as well. Yeah, and there you go. And it, you, you made the perfect transition for me, Ben. You, you're talking about personal responsibility here because, you know, I think. In the Bitcoin world, there's obviously, you know, the, the push for self-sovereignty when it comes to, you know, your money and everything else. But it seems like there's a growing push for self-sovereignty when it comes to everything else, right? So we've seen the seed oil movement where everybody kind of found out that the seed oils that they've been pushing on us for years are actually terrible for you. There's been a push for exercise and other things like that. So, you know, on just like a broad-based topic, you know, how do you think that this has kind of integrated with you know, the Bitcoin space, do you think that it was, it's basically been a lot of people like saying, hey, I need to take control of my money, then they take control of their life? Or do you think that, you know, the two have been kind of like commingled where it's, you know, somebody has realized like, hey, maybe I need to hit the gym more often. And then from there, they met maybe a Bitcoiner in the gym or something along those lines. Like, how do you think that those worlds have been essentially like commingled as they have as, as it seems now? Uh, directionally, I don't think that it matters. I think those types of people will find their way towards each other. People that want more control of their lives, people that view self-sovereignty as a, 
as kind of like a beacon to, uh, you know, aspire to a, a, a lifestyle to aspire to. Um, I know for me, it was Bitcoin first that kind of led me down that rabbit hole. I started learning about, um, you know, self-sovereignty of your money. And then it led to, again, learning about the idea of low time preference, you know, thinking not just for the present, but having your actions, you know, move towards something that delays gratification in exchange for a better future. And so with that comes a lot in the realm of health, in the realm of, you know, what are you eating? What are you doing with your body? Um, and even like creating community. So I, I now have an individual, a, a rancher that I go to directly for my beef. Um, I have somebody local that uh, has chickens and I, that's where I get my eggs now. Um, there are, you, you build these communities and, and kind of these circular economies where you are like-minded and you can pay for things in Bitcoin. And I, I live on Bitcoin now. That's, that's my income. So, and I, there's, there's tools that make it easier uh, than having to make every single connection to pay every single bill. There's obviously great tools here in Canada that can be utilized for that. Um, but, you know, from a, 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 again, an ideological perspective, I've just gone this route of, I want to be self-sovereign in a way where, um, you know, it's, it's not easy to tell me to stop. It's not easy to tell me what to do. I can just, you know, peacefully go about my life, make a living, you know, eat healthy, be, you know, do healthy things and be active and have my family and, and, you know, just not care too much about anything else. And I think a lot of people are coming to that people like the beef initiative. Again, you've got ranchers that understand the value of like good quality food. And they also are seeing how bad the food in, food industry is treating them and how it's disenfranchising a lot of people. And uh, the, the beef initiative is starting to bring those people together and say, you know, there actually is demand for local people to buy direct from you and you to provide a good quality product to them. And if you want, there's a self-sovereign money in which you can transact as well. And it, it, it kind of clicks there and you have this commingling of ranchers and Bitcoiners interacting and, you're going to see more of that where people realize that the systems that they deal with are not ideal and there's better ways to do things. And that will inevitably commingle in some way, shape or form with Bitcoin and Bitcoiners. Yeah. And you, you mentioned the beef initiative. I've, I've had Texas Slim on the show and, you know, I think there he posted a uh, tweet this morning. They had a clip. Uh, some I forgot who it was, but somebody was on Joe Rogan and they were talking about they went to the Beef Initiative conference mm -hmm. and they were talking about Bitcoin, you know, transacting and doing all that. And, you know, actually, you know, shaking your rancher's hand and doing, you know, that getting that that product, that fresh beef uh, to the to the local areas. And I think that that's that's huge in a sense. Right. Because that even makes its own kind of, I guess, local mixing service in itself. Right. So, mm -hmm. I mean, if you transact with a rancher you put it on some non KYC wallet and you send it to this rancher non KYC, you know, then all of a sudden uh, it, it becomes on un unconfiscatable money. And uh, you know, I think people are kind of waking up to the power of that and really taking control of themselves. But you know, what was, I guess, kind of the first thing that you really noticed that it's like, Hey, you know, outside of Bitcoin, because you went from Bitcoin to kind of taking control of your own, you know, own life as being like self-sovereign. So what was kind of like the first thing that you're like, 
hey, you know, it's not just this Bitcoin thing or the money that I could take control of. It's something else. Yeah, I mean, I think the low time preference in terms of the food I was putting into my body was probably one of the first things where I started to say I need to make some changes as well as well. I, I guess I should also say um, personal finance was a part of that too. Um, they were kind of commingled because yeah, like sovereignty of like, how does your money function? You know, choosing the money that you want to use. But then once you have a money that actually is scarce and, you know, retains purchasing power for long periods of time, it allows you to plan for the future a bit more and you become a little bit more thoughtful about how you spend your money, right? You're not going to go buy trinkety crap that's going to break um, next week, you're going to buy things that are also low time preference that, that kind of the, the, the ethics and the morals that come forth from the money then kind of go through your purchases and those then reflect those ethics as well. So rather than buying some, you know, we, we moved uh, a couple of years ago and we were getting a kitchen table and we're like, well, we can get this crappy Ikea one to fill in the space. That's, that's cheap. And then I looked at it and it's like, you know, when, how soon are we going to replace this piece of junk? And so instead, um, I spent a fair amount more, but I got my friend who's an in incredible, I mean, he, he builds everything. He does a lot of flooring, but he built us a table out of oak and the top is like, uh, like a granite type, it, it, like, and it's a beautiful table. Um, it cost me a lot more than that Ikea piece of crap was going to cost me, but I'm going to have it for decades. In fact, that table will probably just be in my family for, you know, at least a few generations at this point. Um, and so you, you start to look at your purchases differently. And then again, I dove into, geez, I'm spending a lot of money just like getting fast food and junk. And I just, I feel crappy and, and so then that I start looking at my finances and seeing like, wow, I'm actually, I am spending a lot of money here. Maybe I should change that. And maybe I should start stocking my, my freezer and my, my fridge with healthier options. So I don't have the option to eat junk all the time. And then maybe with that, I'll start going to the gym more often and actually, you know, work out in a way that's, uh, you know, that's, that's planning for the future, not just, Oh, I'm going to go in go for a run and then like do some bicep curls. I'm actually going to like try to functionally improve. Uh, so it, it just changes your mindset a lot. But I think the first time, the first thing is being fiscally responsible. And then the second thing uh, leads into health. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I, I think it's just been kind of a common trend all around, you know, Bitcoin Twitter as well, where it's not just, you know, like a few people just getting into the gym, it's more of like encouraging and, and kind of, you know, really trying to focus a lot more about what you're putting into your body, you know, kind of education behind it, why the food has like really just deteriorated in quality and it all kind of points back to the to the fiat system, right? I mean, so, you know, now we got everybody on Bitcoin Twitter posting these thirst traps for, for their 95% male audience out there, just all the bros just posting the flexing pics and everything like that. But I mean, I think it, in, in the end, it, it's it's good, right? Because it's like like you're saying, it's not only just like taking control of your money, it's taking ownership of like all aspects of your life, which makes it, you know, like you even more powerful as just a person, right? Because it mm -hmm. seems like 
there's there's one side of the coin right now where it's a lot of people saying like, hey, you know, I don't like the nine to five job. And um, I just, you know, I, I don't really like my life. I need the government to kind of bear, bail you out. And then there's these subset of people in Bitcoin land who are like, well, screw all that. Fuck all that. I'm going to take control of everything. And they're becoming a lot of like, you know, powerful people in there and just kind of, you know, taking control of their life. And it seems like everybody in Bitcoin Twitter that's doing that is a lot more happier. At least, you know, that's every everyone that I interact with seems to be that way. So, you know, I guess before you found Bitcoin and before, you know, you kind of have taken control of your life, did you kind of notice that like maybe in, in the circle you were hanging around with where it was a lot of people just kind of going down this path where, you know, they just kind of felt lost and in a sense, they, they kind of just got stuck in the, in the fiat rat race. Yeah. Yeah. And I do, I do see that a lot in various people. Um, I see, especially over the past couple of years, I saw a lot of just pessimism, nihilism, you know, people that were just like, you know, just disillusioned with the world. Um, and then like misplaced anger. Cause people don't, I, I, I think, you know, Bitcoiners have like narrowed it down of like, well, here's here's kind of the root of the problem. Um, and a lot of stuff stems from this. And so if I change if I if I attack that problem first, then the symptoms that everybody's getting angry about will improve from at least for myself. Um, and so, you know, over the past couple of years, as I saw a lot of this pessimism and nihilism out of uh, you know, people that weren't in the Bitcoin realm, I saw the opposite from a lot of the Bitcoiners I was around. There's this optimism of, oh, this is this works. And um, this makes me think about things differently. And I'm and I've got goals and I'm building towards something, even in the midst of the, the entire world going crazy. Uh, I feel confident in my ability to build relationships, build, uh, you know, build you know, my wealth, my body, my family, all of those things, um, the confidence and, and the happiness in and around those areas have only improved for a, a lot of people. So again, there's, there's, out, there's always outliers. There's, there's people that maybe don't get on that track and there's people that obviously can be happy in the fiat realm, um, you know, because they've managed to use the system to their advantage. But, uh, you know, by and large, I, I'd say the trend of, of happiness and self-control is is in the realm of Bitcoiners. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it seems like, you know, as you're kind of going through this, it makes me think of yeah, a lot of the products that have been offered that have kind of like screwed over. You know, maybe some Bitcoiners got caught into it. But for the most part, the crypto ecosystem of the yield products where a lot of, uh, you know, these you know, Celsius, uh, BlockFi, whatever, are offering these 6, 8, 10, 12% yields on random crypto coins or shit dog tokens or whatever, because they're saying, hey, the banks and all these people are kind of, you know, screwing you in a sense. And so, hey, we're this great beacon of light, this company that's going to help you out. So do you think like that, that has been kind of like, almost like a microcosm of like the greater issue at hand? Yeah, I mean, crypto is fiat on steroids, right? Like if you look at fiat, it's that one group of people can print money and that skews incentives a lot. That really screws up our society because we have no, no real grasp on what the fruits of our labor are even worth 
and they don't retain that value um, moving forward. We don't know. We can't accurately price anything. And prices are just a reflection of our, our values and ethics. Um, crypto is everyone can print money. So with the distortion of fiat, like ramped to 8 billion people all independently able to do the same thing that that central banks were able to do for ages, of course, it's going to be even worse. It's like it's like the worst situation you can imagine, imagine where every single person can just be like, I'm going to print a billion dollars. And like nobody knows what a market cap is because like, you know, I print a billion tokens and I buy one for a dollar and all of a sudden I got a billion dollar market cap. Like all of these distortions can can happen. Nobody knows what anything is worth. And and the the morals and the ethics that we normally communicate our values that we communicate through our, our money are also completely distorted, which means like if all of that money, whether it be fiat or crypto can decay in value, then the values that we're trying to communicate through those mechanisms will also decay. So we see this like decay of the values of society. Bitcoin is, is the exact opposite of what I've just described with both fiat and crypto. It is no one can print money. No one. If you want, like th there's an issuance we, that we know precisely, but in order to obtain some of that, you have to work. And that's why it's so important that Bi Bitcoin is so explicitly linked with energy, something that you cannot fake. You have to work to obtain it or you have to provide some sort of good or service to obtain it from somebody else. And at some point that will be the only option. In fact, I mean, we're, we're like 91, 92% of all Bitcoin has been mined. Um, you get into like 2035, it's like 99%. So it, it realigns everything where we have everything people can produce, all of the goods and services and resources in an entire economy. And then we have this base layer of this money will represent that stuff. And if you value something, then you will allocate some of your capital towards that thing. And nobody can distort the percentage of value that people place on things or experiences or commodities or whatever it may be. We get so much more of an accurate picture of the desires of society as a whole that we can more accurately interpret everyone around us and better understand each other. Yeah. And I mean, that was great, man. I, I, I love that speech. I'm gonna have to clip that one right there. <laughs> that rant was outstanding. So, but as an ode to you, I'm going to ask one last question. You, I feel like I have a feeling, you know what I'm going to ask. I hope it doesn't ruin it for your show Friday, but I want to hear why are you bullish on Bitcoin going forward? I'm, I'm bullish because of the censorship resistance right now. Um, it's coming up a lot. Um, I'm, I'm bullish because no matter what anyone says, no matter what public debates are had, no matter what politicians pass terrible legislation, it will continue to tick forward. There will continue to be more blocks. Transactions will continue to happen. My node will literally ignore anything that anybody tries to uh, force upon it and it will just run the software that I see fit and there's 50,000 of them around the globe and growing and so 
I said that politicians, like going to politicians and legislators was a time buying mechanism. Part of me wonders if we even need more time <laughs> again. Like I, I don't think it goes away. Um, it, you know, it, we can make our lives a little bit easier in the short term, but I, Bitcoin's here to stay. Nobody's going to stop it. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I agree with you 100% there. I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're gotten to a point where so many people know about Bitcoin and people are using it on their daily basis, whether it's just sending remittances over the Lightning Network or, you know, using Bitcoin to, to live off of like, you know, your prime example of that right now. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people or enough people are awake to the fact of, you know, the powers of that of Bitcoin and just, you know, the self-sovereign aspect of it and everything like that, where, you know, I think it's to the point where I don't I don't really think it could be stopped. So, um, yeah, it's, it's got me fired up for the year to come and uh, and everything like that. So I think that we got a big year ahead of us so as it comes to building. I'm excited for a lot of these products coming along and l learning a lot from your tutorials and other things like that. So uh, you've been very generous with your time coming on here. So why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and what you got going on? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, the number one thing is if you're looking to learn pretty much anything to do with Bitcoin, you can go to my YouTube channel, uh, BTC Sessions, and uh, yeah, search for whatever, uh, whatever you're looking to learn about Bitcoin, whether it be wallets, self-custody, hardware, nodes, lightning, all of it's over there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at BTC Sessions, and uh, I'm kind of most active there. You can also find me on Noster if you're experimenting with that, uh, a new social layer. And, uh, and then I have a website, btcsessions.ca. I do one-on-ones. Uh, so if the free tutorials online are, uh, you need a little extra handholding, then you can find me on btcsessions.ca for additional assistance. I also saw too, don't forget this, you're, you're doing uh, in-person tutorials at Bitcoin Miami, right? I am. There are three tickets left. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. Then, then maybe, maybe those three will get saltier as somebody listens to it, but uh, yeah. that's awesome stuff. Yeah. So I, I know you've been doing in-person and then one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions, other things like that, and not only the tutorial videos. So keep up the great work. Um, and, you know, I can't say enough great things about it. So uh, everybody go check out his channel. And uh, Ben, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me.